Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. There was a time when bicycles were designed with flair. You'll find examples at the Monroe Classic Bicycle Show and Swap. It was the biggest attraction of its kind in the world for decades. Now 60 years old, the Grand Haven Musical Fountain is more impressive than ever. For those with autism, travel can be a challenge. So it's good to know that Lansing may be the most sensory-friendly city in the state. And National Travel and Tourism Week is a time to make your travel plans for the season. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at michigan.org. It's Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. Here we are on, uh, I just love this time of year because there are so many really cool things uh, that are happening at this time of the year. Is It's almost like we're, we're coming back, not only you know from a long winter, but we're coming back from all those events and those things that we missed over the last couple of years. So our first guest is certainly symbolic of all these things that we have missed because we're going to talk to Paul Kleppert. Paul is the custodian, he likes to call himself, of the Monroe Classic Bicycle Show and Swap. And Paul, I know you and your wife Ann have been uh, waiting for this day because this will, in effect, be the 40th anniversary show of the Monroe Classic Bicycle Show and Swap that you had hoped to have a while ago. Well, actually, uh, this is the third anniversary of the 40th <laughs> anniversary show since the last two years were canceled. Yeah. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, during this entire pandemic situation, people were out looking for their bikes in their garages and they were, you know, trying to get their bikes all fixed up so they could go ride them. And people don't realize that the major problem was the fact that nobody could get any bike tubes. For their bikes. Well, it's true. So, uh, and, and some other parts as well, because that that's a great example of um, the inability for us to find certain products with sourcing and, and such that we still are going through. But, but, but your bikes, the bikes that you're talking about, they're much more unique than today's bikes that we generally think of, right? Oh, yeah. This is the uh, Antique and Classic Bicycle Show, and this show is technically the largest show in the world. Wow. Um we're going to have over 10,000 bicycles there and like 250 vendors from across the country. Wow. Um, we've even had people fly in from Hawaii and bring their bikes to the show. Oh. It's, it's amazing. That is um, so cool. The range of bicycles, you know, all the way back from the turn of the century, um, you know, to bikes that in, in our hobby, we use the 40 year rule. Whatever you didn't get for your birthday when you were a kid, <laughs> That's the bike that everybody's looking for right now. Isn't that true? Uh, when I and Annie started in this thing a long time ago, uh, Schwinn Stingrays, you couldn't give them away. And yeah. now they're one of the hottest bikes you can possibly find. And we are now transitioning into BMXs. The BMX bike 
world, if you will, is becoming so hot uh, from a collectability standpoint. Um, the prices for these things is going through the sky. Wow. And uh, it's just the way it is. Uh, people want to ride the bike they you know, had when they were a kid. I am uh, thrilled to hear that about the BMX bike because we do have one hanging in the garage that my son, uh, you know, actually a recycled bike that my son used when he was a kid and he's 30 years old. But, you know, you mentioned the Stingray. That was the first bike that I purchased on my own. I had I had collected coins in Gerber baby food jars and I brought it across the street with all these jars of money and paid I don't know what it was $10 or whatever for um, my neighbor's stingray and it was my pride and joy oh wow uh, if you would like to find it or find one yeah. just like it, you need to come to the show because yeah. there'll be hundreds of them there. Okay, I bet, I bet. So this is May first. Yes, at the county fairgrounds in Monroe. So, so in addition to you know like the BMX bikes that you talked about, the Stingrays, um, I do want to find out more about the classics. But first, let's talk about some of those antiques. Are, are antiques actually on sale, or are they mostly for display purposes? The Wheelman organization, um, they're going to have a display of their bicycles from the turn of the century, the high wheelers and so forth, okay, which we've always enjoyed them being there. But oh, yeah. there will be bikes like that for sale at the show. And we will have a bike show itself where people can enter their bikes and, you know, there's 12 different categories and the winners are, you know, chosen by the public. And then we have the classic bike of the year. Mm. This is a judged show. Um, these bicycles are some of the rarest bicycles that you'll ever see. And there's very significant cash awards for the winners, um, best preserved and best restored. Nice. Um, these are the bicycles that are from the 30s and 40s most of the time. Yeah. And... Uh, I've seen some of these bicycles uh, a couple of years ago. One of the winners was sold right there at the show, and he got 23000 for it. Wow. And, Something and else. The point is that yeah. some of these bicycles are so rare and valuable that, that people have no idea what they've got hanging in their garage. Wow. Okay? Well, well, Paul, are, um, can you actually bring a bike to, to be sold, or are these all dealers and they're the only ones who can sell? No, we. You wouldn't believe how many phone calls we get from people that I got this bike in the garage and I yeah. want to sell it. Okay. Yeah. Well, fine. You bring it to the show. We have the bicycle corral, and you know you can put the bike in the corral for ten dollars. You put your name, your phone number on there, and how much you'd like, and you go enjoy the show. If the bike sells, you do the deal. Um, you come back. You sell your bike to whoever's interested in it. If it doesn't sell. We'll give you $5 back. Yeah. So what you did is you paid $5 to, to get an assessment of, of uh, the, the bike, value of your of bike. The value of the bike, okay? And, and you get to see all those other really cool bikes that are going to be on display, uh, classics, antiques, everything. 250 dealers over on the 40th anniversary, or as Paul likes to say, the third anniversary of the 40th anniversary. So it's the Monroe Classic Bicycle Show and Swap coming to the uh, county fairgrounds in Monroe. The date is May 1st. Paul, hope you have a great time. I know everybody else will. The website is MonroeBikeShow.com. We'll talk to folks from the Grand Haven Musical Fountain next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org.
It's Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. Now, here's the cool thing. I, I very seldom get to mix like personal life with this program, but every so often I do uh, get to do that. And, and of course, you know, since I travel all around the state, uh, and I get to know so many people. It feels personal to me just about anywhere I go. But occasionally, there's a real personal connection. And our next guest is going to talk about something that I've uh, been passionate about for many years. And in fact, I used to work with this group. Let's bring in Andy Cawthon. He is the vice chair of the Grand Haven Musical Fountain. Andy, it's great to have you on the program. Thank you for having me, Dave. Yeah, and you, I think I mentioned to you earlier that I don't remember if it was between high school and college that summer or if it was even after I got out of college, but I remember one summer I worked for the Grand Haven Musical Fountain and I ran it, so I would, I would be on the then Waterfront Stadium side and I would you know, do the announcements and make sure the lights were on and off at the proper time and, you know, whatever. And it was just a really fun summer doing that. But that story can be told over and over and over by so many people because the Musical Fountain's been around for a long time. We've been around since 1962. 60. And we still use operators, one in the stadium and one, as we say, on Dewey Hill. And we have openings this summer, Dave, if you... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't... Hey, don't don't tempt me. I might just take you up on that. Well, the pay's uh, pretty good, and yeah. <laughs> it's a three-hour minimum shift. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, it was so much fun as a young guy. It seriously was. All those opportunities to meet so many people and get to talk to them and see the the you know the joy on their faces when they would see this very unique thing. So so let's let's set the stage first. Um, tell us where the fountain is and what it is, and then I want to ask you a whole bunch of history things. So so right. where is the musical fountain? What does it look like? Give us an idea. All right. So if you're using Google earth or a gps the official address is one north harbor in grand haven and that's actually the stadium viewing area the fountain is located across from the stadium on dewey hill and there's really not that much to see from the stadium in the daytime there are a couple of roof lines and the speaker houses down by the water line but the excitement happens at dusk, starting weekends in May, and every night, June through Labor Day, uh, we have a synchronized show of light, water, and audio that lasts about 25 minutes. And, and there's and we, an ex expanse between, you know, the river is between Dewey Hill and the stadium. Right, so we're about a half a mile uh, from the stadium to the actual fountain, which is roughly 200 feet long and has 1,400 or so nozzles for the various water features that you would see at night. Now, of course, that has changed over the years, both the, the performances, the style of performances, the, the actual fountain itself has, has been improved since 1962. Bring us back to those days. Tell us how this gets started. So in the late 50s, 
Dr. William Creason, a dentist from Grand Haven, was serving in the army in Germany and saw a thing called a Presluski fountain at a nightclub in Berlin. And that fountain was basically like an organ with a water fountain behind it and some lights that were keyed to the keyboard on the organ. Dr. Creason came back from the military and looked at the waterfront in Grand Haven, which was, to coin a phrase, kind of a mess. Yeah. It had been a railroad terminal and a coal storage site and a commercial harbor. And so it was covered with soot and all kinds of debris and was not very attractive at all. And Dr. Creason said, we can do better than this. It's so hard for me to envision downtown Grand Haven being described as unsightly in any way. To think that at one time that beautiful waterfront was something other than what it is today. And it took people with vision like, like Dr. Bill Creason. And his vision was, what if we took the fountain that we saw in Germany and used the building of that to reimagine and renovate our waterfront into a place that people would want to go. And with 17 business people, engineers, including a gentleman named Bill Booth, who got a patent for the design of the fountain, they took 50,000 original dollars in the late 50s and 1960 and built this 200-foot fountain which debuted in November of 1962 and has been running continuously since then. Amazing. The world's largest musical fountain of its kind for many years, uh, I think before, what, the Bellagio or whatever in Vegas? Well, so, so the Bellagio in Las Vegas um, funded by a casino has 1,500 fountains in it. And then the fountains in Dubai, which has an oil sheikdom behind them, oh, yeah. they have, they have 15,000 fountains. Wow. Um, but, you know, for a small town in West Michigan, we, we do our best. Yeah, well, and it's it's something else. You do a great job, and and the committee, uh, volunteer committee, they they do all these wonderful shows. How, how has the presentation changed over the years? When it was originally built, we were sort of like a wedding. Something borrowed, something blue. So the something blue would have been our water pumps which came from the water filtration plant. The something borrowed were our four colors of light, red, green, blue, and white, which were the landing lights that were surplused from the Muskegon Airport. <laughs> so originally we had sweeps, a uh, feature called the bazookas, which are just an arc of water illuminated by four colors and the pumps from the water filtration plant and the music was basically World War II era big band, Benny Goodman, 
uh, Gershwin, things like that. And the intro was done by a man named Ron Hartsman, oh, yeah. who was a uh, radio broadcaster from Muskegon. And he used the what became the soundtrack for 2001, yeah. which was a Richard Strauss um, symphony. And basically it was very much um, kind of an adult-oriented audio track. Um, they did have some theme shows back then. Uh, one was called By the Numbers. Maybe that was one you intro mm -hmm. And there was one that was called Weight Watchers, mm -hmm. which had um, d different lyrics that had the word fat. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, and the thing is, you know, so they, they, they went from that kind of simple version. Now you have multiple shows. It's digital production. It's still booming loudly every summer night across the river for visitors and locals alike. And Andy, I know we're going to run out of time here, so let's let's uh, just mention you're going to have a big birthday party on August 27th. Is everybody invited to that? Everybody's invited. Uh, it's just fantastic, Andy. Uh, people need to find out more by going there and then also going to the website, ghfountain.com. Don't forget about that birthday party, August 27th. And just head to Grand Haven and enjoy it anytime this season and into many seasons in the future. Our thanks to Andy Cawthon for being with us today. The website again, ghfountain.com. We're heading to Lansing next on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan, and here we are. Uh, we are just getting ready for the big summer time of the year, the really warm weather time of the year, starting to put all of our plans together for all the really cool things that we like to or want to do in Pure Michigan. And for most of us, that's a relatively easy planning experience. I mean, we just go to Michigan.org or we go to the one of the other um, you know, local tourism promotion agency websites around the state, and then we learn about the things that there are to see and do, and then we just go and do it. But for some people, it's not that easy. For people who are dealing with family members who might have a disability, uh, that planning cycle, that whole decision-making process is a completely different thing. Let's talk about that now with uh, Julie Pinkston uh, from the Greater Lansing Convention Visitors Bureau. And we're bringing Julie in because if I were to look at the entire state, I would describe Lansing as the most sensory-friendly community in the state. And to explain what that means, Julie, it's good to have you on the program. Well, thank you, Dave. I'm really excited to be here and, and share some of this story with everyone today. Well, and, and it is a story because it's a journey for families who might have someone in their family with autism. Uh, everything is just a, a kind of a bigger challenge as you learn to help your family member cope with autism and as the entire family copes with it. Uh, that includes uh, the whole experience about planning for a trip and then going on a trip and, and doing things that you might want to enjoy in your local community or somewhere else. And I tell you, I'm so proud of what you have done and what your community has done uh, in regard to this because you really have thought about it. Let's, let's kind of go back 
to how this all got started in Lansing. I mean, what what opened your mind up to this need? And then let's talk about ways that people can can experience this. Oh boy, where to start? So it's been a long uh, five-year journey that we've been working on this, and it started very innocently with uh, the Wharton Center for Performing Arts, which is a facility here on Michigan State University's campus that offers all the you know touring Broadway shows, wonderful national-level performances. For instance, we're hosting um, in early April Hamilton, so you know lots of a top marquee type of things. Well, they had the opportunity to partner with Broadway Disney to do a 100% sensory friendly performance of Disney's The Lion King. And so they wanted to do that and we had a year to prepare for that. And so what that means is that performance was that there were all accommodations made to make it something that people could enjoy without the stigma of things that maybe were out of their control that, you know, bright lights were an issue or loud noises or they needed a like a tablet or an iPad to enjoy the performance just as a comfort piece. And so all of those accommodations were allowed and made for this performance. But we thought, you know, if we do this and have such a big presence with the event, how about we take in in broaden that throughout the entire community. So what else could we do that would make our community welcoming to come back to or to partner with that one time event and really be able to welcome everyone to our community. So we took the information um, from that partnership and then just started to spread it throughout the community. So we have 14 attractions that now are able to offer some sort of sensory friendly programming either on a monthly basis or a special opportunity basis so that these are things that are happening year-round here in, a, in the greater Lansing area. And so a leader with us has been our zoo, Potter Park Zoo, has been um, the first sensory-friendly designated zoo in the state. Uh, they've gone through many different levels of training. And when we've worked as a community to train our frontline staff, so we've trained about 1,400 people to just be able to understand the needs of guests coming in that might be um, on the spectrum have other neurodiverse issues that uh, need different accommodations and that we need to understand what that means. That if there is a quiet place that's needed or we need to provide more information that we know how to do that. So that's where um, we were on such a trajectory forward and then of course the pandemic took a bit of a hold on all of us. So we're really proud that we've been able to relaunch almost all of the programs that we had in place before and continue now the training and really move uh, this forward to all accessibility and you know in the meantime over these five years when you look at children being diagnosed according to the CDC it was one in 59 five years ago it's now one in 44 yeah. children are diagnosed on the, some form of the spectrum so this is an issue that you know these families are, are you know almost all of touching all someone that we know or someone that we interact with and so how can we make it so that they can come to the the things that everybody else can enjoy and that's what we learned with the one performance of the lion king hmm. is that there were families coming out and doing things that they'd never been able to do as a family before and we want to continue 
all of that for for our destination so I'm really like you said earlier you're proud I'm so proud as well that we have been able to continue this and keep it going and, and really elevate it even more yeah you know every every great journey starts with one small step so to think about it uh, with that one show at the Wharton Center and now Lansing is is doing all these things or the greater Lansing area you know so it's interesting I was going to ask you to try your best to describe uh, what it means uh, to have uh, one of the sensory um, disability issues in your family. But then, as you were talking, your phone rang. And <laughs> so think about this in this way. As you were talking, you, you stayed you stayed right on track. And for all of us listening, I'm sure that kind of took our mind off what you were saying for a moment here and there. Now imagine that a thousand times over. Imagine your mind trying to center in on something with distractions coming in from everywhere compounding on top of each other and then trying to cope with whatever is happening in that area we're trying to really enjoy whatever experience you're going through i think that's a pretty good example um, of of what it's like to be dealing with a a sensory issue um, in, in simplest fashion Yes, and you know, we've we've pointed it towards those on the autism spectrum and other neurodiverse issues. Mm -hmm. However, that could be any of us, right, that have anxiety, that have PTSD, that have pre-dementia. It applies to all of that. One of the other things that we've found that really does help center um, travel for someone with any of these um, type of issues and even even physical disabilities as well are those know-before-you-go type video walkthroughs where you can preview a facility and understand okay if I drive up to the front door there's going to be some steps or there's going to be an entry that looks like where people will congregate and it might be noisy so we have over 80 videos of our attractions and hotel facilities that do just that Uh, we partnered through Ableize and our whole destination now is showcased through kind of that previewing of what you might experience before you get here and then you can plan accordingly so that you aren't taken off guard and and surprised as you go forward so that i think that's also something that will continue to grow and it it affects again not just people that might be your traditional that i see that you have a disability there's so many uh people that have disabilities that we don't see and that we need to appreciate and understand that there are challenges and especially related to travel and going to new places yes because catering for these families um is a bit different as a host whether you're a, a hotel or a theater or whatever it might be and if you want to be thoughtful in this way it might mean uh, making a hotel room or two um very i guess uh, uh, kind of uh basic in its design elements or its um uh decorations because for for most of us we would look at it and say oh, how attractive but for other things um all these various you know uh attractive elements might just cause confusion and 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 discomfort so it, it's important to go through that but then as you point you have to promote that too mm-hmm. which you're doing such a great job with julie we're going to run out of time here um how can people find out more about what you're offering in the greater lansing area for uh, uh, persons or families with somebody on the spectrum 
Well, we do have all of that really nicely laid out on our website, and that is lansing.org, and then it's under things to do, and we have a whole category of sensory friendly. So we've got that real laid out. We also have just opened one of uh, the nation's first um, museums and awareness centers, history centers for autism. So you can learn about autism as well at the uh, Xavier DeGroat uh, History Museum, which is located right in the Meridian Mall. So we like to promote that. It's brand new here and something very unique as well and provides that sensory respite for uh, people in the mall, which sometimes that gets a little crazy as too, but it's all outlined at lansing.org. Well, I'm also glad that you have uh, spent a lot of time training uh, hotel workers and, and you know others who, who meet the guest uh, one-to-one often. It's just part of your program. So to learn more, go to the website lansing.org choose uh, information on on this and then also you know learn about your trip to the Lansing area lansing.org thanks to Julie Pinkston for joining us we go and talk about the National Travel and Tourism Week next here on Travel Michigan where your trip begins at michigan.org Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. You know, I was just uh, thinking about um, all the things I want to do this coming warm weather season. You know, because, you know, this is that time we're still transitioning a bit. But before you know it, it's going to be hot and it's going to be really wonderful. I, I, You know how much I love winter and how much I love spring and how much I love fall. But uh, summer does provide all these really cool opportunities to get out there in your shorts and to have a great time in so many ways. And so as I think about it, I think about how I want to plan for this coming summer. And where can I go to plan for the summer? I know a place, and we'll talk about that in just a second, because before you know it, It's going to be National Travel and Tourism Week. This is happening the first week of May. This is when it happens every year. And to talk about that, let's bring in Jamie Furbush. Jamie is the president and CEO of the Frankenmuth Convention Visitors Bureau. And you're also a member of the Travel Industry Coalition of Michigan, which is very much involved in this whole conversation about National Travel and Tourism Week. Jamie, it's great to have you on the program. Ah, good to be here. Thanks, Dave. So what is this, this National Travel and Tourism Week all about? You know, I really think it's a, it's a opportunity for us as an industry to unite and, and show the value of the travel industry um, nationally, but also here in our great state of Pure Michigan, of course. So, um, I, you know, I look at it as a way for us to not only celebrate what our industry means as an economic driver, um, you know, or from that standpoint, but also if we step back and take a look um, at the mental wellness of of all Michiganders and, and those who can find ways uh, through the travel and tourism industry um, and find time to really experience and explore the diverse things that we have right here in our great state um, that really help us, I think, all recenter and be able to be more productive uh, citizens of Michigan. Well, travel certainly does make a big deal of difference in our lifestyle, and people expect to be able to travel now. It's no longer considered a a luxury to do so. Uh, And I do think that, you know, your point about uh, using this week as a way to kind of consider the value of the industry is a really great idea because the travel and tourism industry is a huge part of our economy, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, 
we can put numbers and dollars to those kind of things, but you know, I look at it from a perspective of out our front window here in Frankenmuth at the visitor center, and when I see families, you know, traveling with their their grandchildren, or um, you know, taking photos around fountains, and just the mm-hmm. memories that are being made, um, you know, those kind of things are you you can't really put a dollar sign on on making memories that last a lifetime with your family and friends, and so. Um, you know, when you, you think of all of those individual moments that really add up, um, and I know how many I, I get to witness here in, mm. in our wonderful city, um, they're probably countless across our state. It's true. Um, you know, and we do talk about the economic impact of travel all the time. One of the, you know, biggest and most important employers in the state, one of the biggest industries supporting all these businesses, which in turn, of course, provide jobs and tax revenue and all that. But to your point, there are all these intangibles. Um, Einstein said that not everything that counts can be counted. Basically, that's what he said. And he is a pretty smart guy. So I'll follow in that line of thinking as well. Now, so uh, the the official week is the first week of May. What a great week to really kind of plan out that that summer experience. It really is. So yeah, May May first uh, through the seventh is the official National Travel and Tourism Week, um, which is promoted really through U.S. Travel Association, as you know. Um, and here in, in Michigan, we're even going to you know the industry is going to gather um, right here in Frankenmuth. We're we're excited about that mm. on Monday the second to do a press conference. So hopefully your listeners will will hear uh, more about um, all the various sectors of the industry that are going to come together and sort of celebrate. Um, but we have some some cool things I think as a um, a destination community. Um, throughout the state of Michigan going on in celebration of the National Travel and Tourism Week, too. So uh, the Great Michigan Scavenger Hunt will be back again this year for the second Mm. year, so we're excited about that. Yeah, what is that all about? I remember, you know, that that happened last year, but I don't remember the details. The, The Great, what is it called? The Great Michigan Scavenger Hunt. Yeah, tell us what that what that's all about. Yes, it'll go on throughout the week. It's really a a collaboration um, between all the different destinations throughout Michigan. Last year, there were 31 participating communities, Mm. um, and basically they they all put in um, gifts cards and gift certificates um, at really good value. I think many of them were the $100 value um, and they exchange them. So if you can imagine, we we put in a number of $100 gift cards or Frankenmuth monies actually for Frankenmuth and then they got sent to various other destinations. And so when the scavenger hunt was going on, the um, residents of Michigan could, could find, you know, go on a hunt for these little boxes and they were able to then find gift cards for another destination throughout the state. So the Frankenmuth gift cards, for example, might have been found in Lansing or Traverse City or Sheboygan or wherever. And so, um, you know, there's, um, and then we may have had, uh, you know, 10 of them hid in Frankenmuth that um, ranged from destinations like Alpena or Kalamazoo and Detroit and well, and so how do people find the the hints, the clues on where they might want to search for um, these various little treasures? Yeah, so each destination that's participating will be sharing hints on where they're hid in their community. So you can check out your favorite destination social pages that week um, to see which um where they're hiding uh, for hints on where they're hiding their their prizes. Um, also, I know you'll be promoting it on Michigan.org and all the, the Pure Michigan social channels too, so that you can kind of find out which destinations are participating. Yeah, um, so make sure to go to Michigan.org, and it should be right on the home page. But if you don't right. see it right there, just do a search for Scavenger Hunt, mm-hmm. 
or National Travel and Tourism Week or something like that, and I'm sure you're going to find it. That just sounds so much fun, and it's a really great way to really point out what a diverse state with diverse people we we can really celebrate and spend time with and in. Yeah, I just think about all the diversity of our, our travel and tourism industry. In fact, you know, we've got um, events and festivals coming back up this time of year. I know here in my home city of Rankinmouth, May is when we kind of kick all that off. And so it's really exciting. Um, but we also have, you know, camping and uh, whether you go and stay in a hotel or a water park or you camp across the state, um, it's kind of that fun transitional time, as you noted, Dave. So we go from the skiing and snowmobiling and all the great outdoor activities we have in Michigan to the golfing and boating and fishing. And um, there's just so many individual industries that combine to make up uh, this great tourism industry. Arts and culture, one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, In fact, I've been seeing, uh, I think, more golfers early season already this year than I've noticed in prior years. So it's good to <laughs> my see. Son's, my son's at it already. <laughs> yeah, good, right, good to hear. Um, so, you know, we're expecting this to be a pretty busy season. What are your tips for people, you know, during National Travel and Tourism Week or even this week uh, to prepare for the coming season? Very good. Yeah, I would say plan ahead. You know, I'm I'm a last minute planner. I don't know um, about everybody listening, but um, I would say that this summer with the um, continued demand that we're seeing, I um, would expect that I, I know I've looked personally for some some camping spots and they've already been filled up. And so um, you want to get ahead and try and, and plan ahead for your uh, vacations coming up this summer, because I think we're going to find that across the state, um, even for reservations at restaurants and things that you, you definitely want don't want to miss. Uh, try and plan ahead a little bit. It's hard I for think, some of us. But <laughs> yeah, well, well, and I think early season travel and late season travel is a good idea as well. Yeah. Or midweek, if you're able to, you know, figure out a way, uh, you know, midweek tends to be, I think, less busy than the weekends in a lot of destinations across the state. So that's another good way to try and avoid the crowds or find uh, some capacity. Well, we'll look forward to National Travel and Tourism Week to learning more about that the week of May 1st. We'll go to michigan.org and do a search for that. And uh, let's hope the media picks up on that as well. And if for people uh, wanting more information about Frankenmuth, what's the website they go to? Frankenmuth.org. Frankenmuth.org. And our thanks to Jamie Furbush, representing the Travel Industry Coalition of Michigan today and the Frankenmuth area. And uh, I really hope people do get out there this coming season, do all their planning uh, during National Travel and Tourism Week. That's all the time we have for Travel Michigan for this week. So until next week, do that planning, get ready for your big trips, and we'll talk to you then. Here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling.